0: LifeWay Lifeway. Lifeway Leadership Podcast Network. This is the Ron Edmondson Leadership Podcast.
1: Well, thanks for listening to the Ron Edmondson Leadership Podcast hosted by LifeWay. Ron's mission is to help church leaders become better leaders. And I'm your host, Nate Edmondson. We had started this podcast and it launched in the fall of 2020 and... Then both of us ran into some changes in our lives that we weren't necessarily planning for. And so we've, we've delayed releasing some new podcasts. Um, but now we are ready to launch into 2021 strong. So, Pops, why don't you tell us about some of the change that's happened just in your life?
0: Well, there was something called COVID. Are you talking about that? No, of course, there was COVID. But uh, I also changed uh, positions. Again, you know, uh, if if you follow... Uh, my career at all through the blog or, or through this podcast, I landed in uh, an intentional interim position and wrapped that up uh, uh, this fall and and then uh, began a new position at Brentwood Baptist Church. and it's a it's a, it's a new position, new for them and and certainly new for me. I've been friends with Mike Glenn, the senior pastor, and the pastor. He'd been twenty twenty one. He celebrates his thirtieth anniversary with the church, and we just uh, began dreaming together uh, sometime um, actually at the end of twenty nineteen, but then in twenty twenty about what it would be like for me to come on staff there. And it's interesting. Uh, We did a podcast and we were having some conversations at the time about attracting first chair leaders to a second chair position. And I'm not even a second chair. I'm like a third chair, fourth chair, fifth chair. I don't know what chair I am. Uh, No, seriously. I'm, I'm uh, leading the Brentwood campus which is the largest campus of an eight campus church and the and there's so many ministries of course that come out of that campus that it impact all the other campuses so I'm getting to have fun um, you're you and I are wired a little differently in that you love the crafting of a message I don't mind delivering it but the crafting of it just takes me away from what I want to do and that's that's actually shaping a team and leading a team and organizational dynamics and so this is kind of the best of 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 the worlds and so i'll preach some but mostly i'll just be leading the staff and helping guide the ministries of of Brentwood Baptist forward so I'm a couple of months in as we record this, and I'm uh, enjoying it so far and already getting to dream about some really uh, neat stuff that I hope we can even talk about here and certainly talk about in the kingdom in the days to come.
1: Well, that's awesome. So um, I'm glad that you're in a role that you can enjoy. And you've now, in the last several years, you've been part of... um, Of a few organizations and you've led some significant change in those organizations and that's what we want to talk about today. So today's topic is how to know it's time for organizational change. Um, Why, first of all, before we jump into the how, can you just tell us real quick why this is something that leaders might need to think about and what kind of organizations need to think about this?
0: Well, all organizations, because um, leadership involves change. You can't have leadership without change. You could have management, but for leadership to occur, you're taking people somewhere new, and that always involves change. Uh, And, you know, the longer you stay the way you are, whatever that is, the, the harder it becomes then to, to do any kind of change at all. And so, uh, as leaders, we should be thinking and encouraging a, con- a, a continual effort of change. Uh, so, it's important for all of us because that's what leadership does. It involves change
1: um in your notes here you've written that healthy organizations maintain an unchanging vision that they will sustain long term but then you say and this is interesting to me one way they do so is with a willingness to change their organizational structure as needed explain that dynamic that an organization should be committed to their vision they should uh they should be committed to that for the long haul. But one of the things that helps them stay committed to the vision for the long haul is a willingness to change the structures that they have in their organization. Why is that the case?
0: Well, you have uh, you have quoted Andy Stanley many times before. I don't know if he's the first one to say this, but certainly I've heard him say uh, vision leaks. Uh, if And vision also... Uh, be- becomes much harder to maintain or to achieve if you don't address the culture in which and the environment in which the organization finds itself within. Uh, needs of people change. Let, let, me, let me give a, a practical example. If the vision of the church is to make disciples, and I would I would contend that it is then if you don't recognize the fact that the world has changed around you, you're not going to be as effective making disciples. COVID has taught us, if it's taught us anything, it's taught us that we can't stay exactly the way we've always done and be successful. Um, You and I are both, we're in different states. I'm in Tennessee, you're in Washington, but both of us have had to change the way we do things at church in order to continue an effort to make disciples. Uh, there have been times when we had to go completely online. There are churches that have gone online in in, um, in the midst of COVID that weren't on, even thinking online before, maybe even been opposed to it. A uh, funny thing, I heard uh, several uh, of these stories early in the pandemic, when the pandemic started, some churches that had philosophical, maybe even theological uh, issues with online giving that people are supposed to bring their tithes into the storehouse. And suddenly something happened in their philosophy and structure changed and they now allow online giving. They, they didn't have a choice. And so um, the, the vision, what we're trying to accomplish is still the same. And we have to keep reminding people of that, but the world around us is changing. And in order to to continue to achieve that vision in a in a changing world you sometimes have to change the way you accomplish getting the vision done
1: so when it comes to discerning for an organization if we should change things in the organization what are some things we sh- should consider
0: well, I've got seven of them. You know, I like numbers. And so uh, seven considerations to discern its time. And the first one is when you continually encounter obstacles trying to move forward. When you continually encounter obstacles trying to move forward. If every decision you try to make hits roadblocks or dead ends, it's probably time to consider some changes. Um, and, and you've served in these environments. I have as well, where every decision gets gets a no. Every decision finds objections. The the church doesn't want to do that, or we've never done it like that, or uh, we we don't have the resources for that, or we'll never be uh, we'll never be able to. We don't have the right people. Whatever whatever the excuses are, but everything you try to get done runs into an obstacle. And when it takes layers of people and weeks to make a decision, it's probably time to consider changing the structure of how decisions are made in the organization. Let me give you an example. Um, Leading in the last two churches, I identified that there were multiple committees that were included in almost every decision being made. In other words, it wasn't enough to go to, you know, you want to, I use the example of painting a wall because I've had that in two churches where painting a wall involved multiple decisions. It wasn't enough to go to properties committee uh, and say, hey, we need to change this wall. Money's there. You know, we are, I mean, we can find the money. Uh, We, everybody agrees it needs to be painted. You had to go to properties. You had to go to finance. You had to go to deacons. You know, there were, there were so many layers in just in order to paint a wall. Uh, Well, we combined committees into stronger committees that were more efficient, uh, more accountable, and we were able to paint the wall faster. And paint the wall is just just an example. there, there are obviously much more complicated issues you're trying to solve. But uh, the point being made, it took too long to paint the wall, change the structure to allow you to paint it faster.
1: Makes sense. What's number two? Number
0: two is when the steps to make change are more exhausting than the value the change provides. Even when I read that one, Nate, I get exhausted because I've done that so many times. The. Uh, the steps to make changes are more exhausting than the value the change provides. I mean, and so, you know, change should be exhilarating. It should bring momentum. But when the process to get there is so long or so difficult that it wears you out, you've got no excitement left. And, 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 you, and so most of the time people just give up. They just quit trying. And so, if that's the case, it may be some time for some structural changes. I was uh, coaching a pastor in a church where where change was painful to accomplish, and he said to me, uh, "In the end, it's just not worth the battle. Well, I've thought that about certain changes there are some changes it's just not worth it. you know I mean it would take us so long that it's just not worth it um Uh, This is a semi-attempted humor, but that may be changing your parlor into a room that actually is usable. But uh, it may be changing your library into something that actually gets used. Uh, It it, it may just not be worth it. Uh, But my advice is that changing the culture may be the battle that's worth pursuing so that you can make the changes that the church needs. And what I said to this pastor is that may be the battle you have to fight if you're going to be able to stay there long-term.
1: So talk about that for a second. You're saying, if you begin to notice that the culture itself is what needs to change, that's going to be a really hard, long, uh, you're going to have to think through it, be very intentional and strategic about how to go about that. But that's what actually needs to be. That's the battle that you actually need to fight. Um, because if you can fight that one, then it'll free up so many of the other smaller things that maybe are not worth fighting on their own. Absolutely.
0: And, and it may be the only hope the church has, quite quite honestly, or the, the organization. It, it, uh, if it continues to live in lockdown, nothing's going to change around here or we're going we're gonna to wear you out in the process to, to eventually leaders disappear from that. They just uh, and, and that actually leads into the next one.
1: Yeah. So, talk about the third point.
0: The third one is when you can no longer attract leaders. If, if people are more managed than they are empowered they're more controlled than empowered, you're going to attract doers, uh, but you're not going to attract visionary leaders. Creative leaders will will literally die in a controlled environment. Uh, because genuine leaders rebel against controlling environments. They, they're looking for what's new. They're looking for the next risk. They're looking for to, to try some things and even make some mistakes that where you learn along the way. Um, I learned early in church revitalization that because leaders want something that is moving forward, that we had lost many of those over the years in the established church, and so we had lots of mid-level managers but we didn't have any CEOs. We we had engineers but we didn't have entrepreneurs. And in order to attract those kind of other visionary leaders to the church, to the organization, we had to make changes to the structure to attract them again.
1: Can you talk Briefly about the difference between an engineer and an entrepreneur, a leader, a manager.
0: And you need both. And and I always try to point that out. It's so incredibly important. You need people who can build structure in in an organization. Uh, That's, you know, I'm going to typically rebel against structure. I'm going to typically try to stretch it. But we need people who build good structure uh, for and the larger the church, probably the more structure we need. So engineers don't hear me saying we don't need you. We absolutely you're critically important to the organization. But we also need entrepreneurs. And those are the people who aren't thinking how to build something. They're thinking about what hasn't been built. They're thinking about what we haven't even thought about yet. What's around the corner that we can't even see yet? Uh, I heard of a, a, an invention of, uh, that, that somebody is working on in, uh, in cars where it will literally, I use the phrase see around the corner, it literally will see what's coming around the corner before you get to the corner. I mean, how cool is that? And how, how much would that help us in, in driving? Um, in, if you get that idea, the engineers figure out how to build it. But somebody has to come up with the idea. Got it. Number four is, uh, and these are just steps or, or, or ways to determine it's time for organizational change. Number four is when you spend more time discussing than doing. And again, I just, I read that and, and I say that and I think, man, I have been there so many times. And we're just like, can we just move on already? Now, granted, we need to meet about some things. We need to plan. We need to strategize. We need to organize. The best structures help you get busy doing not attending another meeting. They help you launch rather than sitting and talking about what you're going to launch. When people feel drained by so much bureaucracy or meetings, it, it probably means you need some change in, in the how, when, and why you meet. Um, in my most recent context, as an intentional interim, we advocated some structural changes in the bylaws, to allow for the decisions to be made quicker and more efficiently, uh, we did that in the in, in the previous church to that one. It was critically important. Uh, it 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 what it actually does is it gives people more time to do real work, go out and make disciples. Actually, I'm not sitting in a meeting talking about what we want to do, but actually go do ministry. So critically important when it's taking you more time talking about than the than the change is actually going to. Do go back to the paint the wall for a minute. Okay, we can paint that wall in an hour, but if we spend four hours talking about a one hour job, we wasted some time along the way. Mm -hmm. Number five, when the structure you have now isn't sustainable long term. So when the current structure won't keep you um, long term, it will not keep you accomplishing the vision. Uh, structure and, and it goes back to the question you you asked originally of, of why this is so important. Structure is based upon people. Um, uh, for example, rather than progress, when when the structure is is controlling people rather than empowering progress, uh, eventually. Um, You're going to um, you're going to run off the people you're trying to empower to go do the work. Um, Ask yourself, will this structure work 10 years from now with the people we're going to reach in 10 years? If not, the time to change is now. Uh, A great example of that. Uh, At Emmanuel Baptist, where we were for six years, we recognized that our system of business meetings was not sustainable long term. Younger generations weren't coming to hour and a half business meetings where we just simply talked about numbers and and that sort of thing. They wanted to go do ministry. So as an older generation slowly grew smaller, there were fewer people making decisions for the church. And and some of those people didn't want any kind of change at all. So one of the structural changes we made is we went from monthly meetings where 2% of the Sunday crowd came to a higher quality quarterly meeting where some 20% of membership would often attend. And it was a structural change that allowed us to be, we were going, we, we, we were in our governing structure, we were going to have regular business type meetings, but by moving them to quarterly rather than monthly, it allowed more people to get uh, involved and allowed us to sustain that structure even longer.
1: So, help me understand how to know if a structure is going to work 10 years from now. That feels like maybe it's a long time.
0: Well, in 10 years, it, that may not be the right number because we can't see longer than two weeks right now in, in the middle of COVID. But, uh, but look at the trends. Look at, uh, that's when numbers can work for you. If, if uh, you're attracting less and less people to the process... If, let's say, for example, it's, it's uh, r- recruiting, uh, I'm, I'm trying to use one that would be more universal, but I'll use the one in our context. If, you're tr- if you can't get anybody to sign up to be a deacon or to teach, a, to teach preschool, maybe it's the structure that's the problem and the way you're recruiting or what you're asking them to do, then it is the fact that you're doing it. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense.
1: So, so, if you find yourself bumping into, you know, this thing just doesn't work, we have the hardest time accomplishing whatever, um, then maybe that's a clue that your structure is not actually working and it's definitely not going to take you where you want to go long term.
0: Absolutely. And, and a part of a uh, – to, to get very practical, part of our structure is the times we meet each week. If you've got one service and it has declined for the last – Four, five, six years—you've got to think through. Okay, is it time to change the structure? Is it time to change the time we meet, or the, or the the what happens when we do meet in that room? What the service looks like. Um, but if if it's if it's
1: scaling down, then so let me ask you this question, um, and I don't mean to get us too much on a rabbit trail here, but um, what, how would you define a long enough amount of time? To start thinking that something is a trend. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, You know, that's, it depends
0: on what it is. I think most of the time, uh, you know, if it's a if you're looking at your finances and are they trending down, I like to look at those on a quarterly basis, Uh, sometimes a monthly, but really more quarterly if it's, um, if it's something like an attendance of a service, I might want to give that one a little more time because, you know, y- there's so many factors that affect that, such as weather and, and travel and different things. And so you obviously wouldn't look at, well, the quarter, the summer quarter, we were trending down, so let's change things. So you would want to look at that probably over a, a six month or a year or, or, or that sort of thing. So it really depends on what it is, but. Take the, I guess what I would say in that moment is step back long enough to look at the bigger picture of, of what's happening, not just what's happening in the moment. So, and, and that's a really good question because a week does not make a trend. And I can't tell you how many times I've said that to a pastor who on Monday morning is ready to jump ship because they, they, they had a 20% decline in attendance the day before. Um, and this is obviously before COVID, but um, or it could be in in COVID their online numbers tanked in one week. But don't start drastically changing thing things over one week. So step back, take a bigger picture approach to it. What's the right measurement here? What are the factor What are the factors that have affected uh, this? And and let's ask bigger
1: questions. Got it. All right. So you're on number five. Number six.
0: Number six in discerning when it's time to make organizational change is when all creativity is structured out of the system. Now, that should be a no brainer. But if, if the process is so clearly defined that nothing new is needed, there's no room for different ideas or opinions, change is probably needed in the structure. Um, people will fall into routines they'll get bored, and complacency becomes the norm and when that happens, creativity goes out the window.
1: This one is interesting because you're saying when this is actually a time uh when it's like, okay, look, this is how we do Christmas Eve here. We've figured it out this you know we've done a lot of different things over the years, but When it comes to Christmas Eve service or when it comes to Easter weekend or when it comes to summer camp, this is how we do it here. We've we've just figured this out. You're saying that could actually mean that it's time to make a change.
0: Absolutely. Totally. Because that works today, but that will not work in three years, probably, you're going to have to have something new. And and that is so hard. This one this one is really difficult using the example you did, because let, let's go to, um, to a manual, for example. They had figured out Christmas Eve. And Christmas Eve was the biggest night ever. I mean, it was just huge. It was a seven o'clock service, had the candlelight, packed out people from everywhere came. When I came in, I recognized they were so locked into how that service was done and, and you know no changes could be made that what I was able to see from an outside perspective is, okay, that works today. I don't know that it'll work forever, but what we may be missing here is we filled the room at seven o'clock, but who did we turn away because we didn't try to get them at five or at three? Or the night before Christmas Eve. And so we began to think creatively, how can we take, okay, we know how to do a Christmas Eve service. How can we take that and make it even bigger than we? So by the time that, that you know, the four or five years that we tweaked that, uh, we grew from one pack service to four or five pack services. And it, it but it required being willing to say we're not going to just stick with what the way we've always done things. Got it. Um This last one may be surprising. It's whenever I talk about this one, it, it people push back on it a little bit, especially those who like clarity. But um when there is no longer any confusion in the organization, it may be time for some organizational change some change to the structure uh, most people like clarity i mean i like clarity i mean I, I, uh, just tell me what i need to do you know tell me tell me what what we're trying to get accomplished but if everything is so cl- uh cl- carefully scripted that the organization is uh is pr- the organization is probably not trying anything new and it's probably become stale um some of the best discoveries are found amidst chaos. uh again we've quoted Andy Stanley but it says uh and he's he's going to pick up on this and and really um tweet out our podcast you know that right eventually that's what we are counting on. but Andy Stanley says attention to be managed not a problem to be solved. good organizations have some of those that they're just they're, they're just always going to be tensions. um we, uh, we once decided to take one of our largest events of the year and break it down into a dozen smaller events. And our, our goal was to take the energy invested in a big event and hopefully spread that energy throughout our church to, to better live out our vision of getting more people involved. and. In doing that, the process of doing that, there were lots of unanswered questions, lots of confusion for a while until we, until we worked through all those. It was harder to manage many events rather than one. And we certainly made a lot of mistakes along the way. But it, the, unanimous, the, the unanimous decision of our staff uh, afterwards proved to be a really good change. Uh, So the confusion was worth it because what ended up happening afterwards is we had so much more energy around. And it was a Christmas event, but we had so much more energy the entire month of December by breaking that one event down into a dozen other smaller events
1: seven reasons, seven things that might mean it's time for our organizational change. Thanks for sharing that, Pops.
0: Yeah. And you know, I I think what I would do is if I I were on the listening side of this and saying, what do I do with all this? I would take these seven and and sit with some leadership in your church, staff, volunteers, whoever that is, uh, or your organization, and just talk through, is this true about our organization. Are any of these true? And do they apply? And then use that as an assessment of whether you need to make some changes.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much, Pops.
0: Thanks for listening to the Ron Edmondson Leadership Podcast. For more information about Ron, check out ronedmondson.com. For more leadership resources from Lifeway, check out leadership.lifeway.com.